I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege. A lot of news to get to on this Monday. We gotta start in Montreal. Big Money Cole, you're absolutely right. We go from Big Money Siege to Big Money Cole because he is due to make some big money. Uh, not too long before we started recording this morning, he uh, the announcement of his eight-year extension worth 7.85 mil as an AAV announced by the Montreal Canadiens. Let's talk about this deal. What do you think of the contract? Well, I mean, it's a little higher than maybe where projections might have had it. Uh, was at 7.85 million, but I like it for a lot of reasons. I think getting an eight year contract at this stage of Cole Caulfield's career, obviously it's great for him. It's financial security for he and his family. But I think for the Canadians end, it's, it's a good upside bet <clears throat> because one thing we learned over the weekend is okay. that the salary cap might not be going up more than a million dollars next season, but Gary Bettman was pretty clear when he spoke to the reporters at the Stanley cup final that, you know, starting in 24, 25, the year beyond this one, that, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to have a significant jump in the cap. And so I, I think combined with the fact that that you expect Caulfield to get better, that his best years are ahead of him, that the cap is going to go up uh, and probably significantly, I think it's fair to say, in, in across the eight years of this extension, it's hard not to like the, the bet for the Habs. And it's, look, it's a good commitment from him, too. I, I don't know that there was any doubt he didn't want to be a Montreal Canadian. Don't mean to suggest that, but. You know, some we've seen some players on their entry level deals opt for shorter contracts. I think that's a it's a nice piece of business for for the Habs, all things considered. And and uh, you just want to have a healthy Cole Caulfield on the ice next season. It'll probably start making that deal look good right away. Seriously, just seeing the guy's shooting ability, the goal scoring ability, like on its surface to me, it looks like a steal. This is a guy who, if you let him play through a whole year he may very well get to 40, even 50 goals. And I'm I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. I'm, I'm, I, I get those projections and I get that anything could happen in a player's career, but this kid is this good that he could get to that point. Like I, I see him signing under 8 million and I'm like, wow, like that is, I, I can't, I, I think if you're Kent Hughes, that's some good business. For sure. And now you've got, you know, Suzuki, the captain, a little bit above that 7.875 million in his case. You've got a nice internal structure going. Uh, obviously, the Canadians are still building up their program. They're, they're going to need more great players, quite frankly, until they get to get where they want to get to. But it's it's nice to have these ones sign long term at at pretty manageable numbers. And and you know they also front loaded the deal. So should they ever, in terms of how the money's paid out, and so should they ever want to be trading, uh, you know, Cole Caulfield, which at this point in time obviously is in no one's mind. I mean, he, he becomes a more attractive commodity across time because you know more of the money will be paid out when when you get into the later parts of that deal so i think that they've 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 given him a smart contract and left themselves some outs should they need them because let's face it you're betting on human beings like there's there's things that happen in any player's career that you can't project or predict uh it's no guarantee these will be a great eight years for cole caulfield but based on what you've seen so far i mean you you love the passion you love his ability to, to score goals you know, in, in particular, since Martin San Luis took over the team, you know, you've seen you've seen the really best version of Cole Caulfield. And so, you know, I think it's it's a good day for Montreal to, to, to get that deal done where they did. 
I'll run through some of the details of the of the contract quickly from Cap Friendly. Uh, only there's no movement clause. There's a there's a no trade clause that kicks in in year six. A 15 team NTC then turns into a 10 team NTC in the seventh year of the deal, and the eighth and final year it's a five team no trade clause. Uh, the first two years gets paid uh, 4.975 mil with five million five million dollar signing bonuses in the first two years of that deal. That in year three gets 9.975, then year four 8.705, then year five 6.215. But like, yeah, the AAV is still at 7.85 mil. That's the big number everyone cares about. But the no trade clauses only kicking in in year six of that deal. That also took me by surprise. Sometimes you see some of those young players or just in any of those types of contracts, you think, okay, are they going to get a no movement deal uh, clause? I should say in the contract, are they getting a no trade clause for the entirety of that deal? The fact that it only kicks in the final three years of that deal, that also uh, was something I noticed. Yeah, partly I would think that's just because he's not eligible for one in the first years. Yet you need seven full seasons in the NHL before you you, you are eligible to have one of those. But you're right; it's not a full no, no movement clause. And it's so funny when you sign this deal, you're like, well, they're not going to think about trading him. But maybe maybe in six years' time, for whatever reason, that that might make sense, and and they'll be happy they didn't give him the full no movement clause. I mean, that's that's why teams and players grind over contracts. And this, this one took a long time. I don't know. I don't know if you remember Julian, but you know, there were some discussions on this extension during the season. Uh, I don't think it was a, a straight line, six months grinding over it, but, but it, it didn't, didn't come together immediately. And, and it removes, you know, I, I don't know that there was ever any real threat of a, an offer sheet coming Cole Caulfield's way. We don't see very many of those, of course, in the league at all at this point, but it also removes any possibility there could be one. So um, you know, that the Canadians front office can sleep a little easier now too. Hmm. Anything else we want to mention about Cole Caulfield before we get to, you could bet that. And then we've got a few other topics to, to get through Mike Babcock as well. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup finals, of course, and, uh, it is ask CJ. So, uh, anything else we want to mention before we get to, you can bet that. No, I think that's good. As I said, just hope that the Cole's healthy coming back after the, the shoulder issue he had last season and, uh, can start making the Canadians look like they did good business here by playing really well next season. Let's get to You Can Bet That and the rest of the CJ Show. You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all your gaming needs. Uh, we did go through uh, some possible names last week for the Con Smythe Trophy. We know Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, entered the series as the betting favorite. That's still the case. Jack Eichel's still up there. What about some love for Aiden Hill? Had himself a great game one, made an incredible save. Currently, according to Sports Interaction, has the fifth best odds at winning of the Consmith Trophy at plus 680. You know, this is an interesting Consmith Trophy year to me. Like, quite often you get to this stage of the final, and maybe it's one or two people that, you think are going to win like it's pretty apparent like if team x wins and player y is definitely the person i i don't feel that way this year and and so you wonder about someone like aiden hill if he has more moments like that could he could he get in there i will tell you julian since we recorded last i have been confirmed as one of the voters um for the consmite trophy so i i won't say too much in these segments that that may skew things but i'm just saying as a voter as someone who has to at some point was just when this series wraps up put down three names i really don't have a strong feeling about who those three names are i think we could probably 
narrow it down to a pool of six or seven players between the two teams. Um, but Aiden Hill would be in that group. And so, um, you know, he's had a, an interesting playoff, you know, much like Sergei Bobrovsky started as a backup for the Golden Knights, got thrust in in that series against Edmonton when Laurent Bressois went down with an injury. And uh, he's, he's given some pretty remarkable games, given that this is a guy that had not played a Stanley Cup playoff game before this year. Yeah, uh, he entered the Stanley Cup final with slightly better statistics than Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, he was my pick before the series began to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. I don't know for for people who have been following the articles, I've been writing about the postseason uh, at the Athletic. We've had some of our experts uh, make some picks, try to figure out okay who's going to win this series, who's going to uh, you know stuff like that. And and before the series started, they asked me to do a Conn Smythe pick. I looked at Aiden Hill and. He's been it's been kind of quiet for him, right? We've looked at Sergey Bobrovsky and how incredible he's been all postseason long. But Aiden Hill coming in in relief for Laurent Brassois and turning into the goaltender that the Golden Knights need, he has been very much an underrated story in this postseason. Well, and the the Golden Knights' success has really been a team story, right? I think that's part of it. Is that there's not one driver, not that any team is driven by just one player, but you know it's hard to ignore Matthew Kachuk and Sergey Bobrovsky on the Florida side of things. Whereas, you know, if we're Vegas, like John the Marshall show, he's got 10 goals in his last 11 games now in the playoffs. You got William Carlson, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone could get in there. He scored a nice goal in, in game one of the series. And then you got Hill. I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways it could go for Vegas. But, uh, you know, don't sleep on Hill. I think he could. I, I think he I think he's a little bit of a sleeper pick, but but I don't think it's necessarily the wrong one. Don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com for all the best odds. Uh, also add the uh, backslash SDPN while you're there too. Before game, in game, and the best props, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, a better immune system. And I got to say, just taking all these different vitamins and pills every day, I'm not really about that. Why do I need a vitamin C pill, a vitamin D3 pill, and all the other ones you can, you have to go to a pharmacy to get when AG1 is essentially a one-stop shop with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. I don't know about you, but less is more in this situation for me. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your very first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. That's athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. Check it out. We go from Cole Caulfield to, you can bet that, to Mike Babcock, the former Toronto Maple Leafs head coach, Detroit Red Wings, Anaheim as well, gold medal winner. We know the resume when it comes to Mike Babcock. But according to reports, it looks as if he will take over as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I'm surprised about this. We've talked about Mike Babcock on this show. We've discussed... Uh, his treatment of certain players, that's very much out there. And it looks as if he is going to make his return to the NHL with Columbus. Like, I don't know where we should start with this. Like, I, I, I'll, I, we're kind of throwing this topic up in the air, but I'm still kind of surprised that it's reached this point where he's back and also with this team. I have other thoughts on that too, but we should start there. Right. So my TSN teammate, Darren Drager, hat tip, had the, the scoop over the weekend. And, you know, this had been out there a little bit just because Mike Babcock, it was known, had spoken to the Blue Jackets um, shortly after the season when, when their um, you know coaching position opened up when they fired Brad Larson. And 
you know, I think my thought all along was, does he want to come back a to the NHL and, and does he want to, would he want to coach somewhere like Columbus where obviously the team is coming off a season where the most competitive thing that they had this year was, was the Connor Bedard lottery. Right. And, and unfortunately for them, they didn't win it, uh, but they were right near the bottom of the standings all year long. And, and, you know, they, they've obviously got good players. Injuries were a part of the story for the blue jackets last year. A lot of their best players missed significant amount of time. Um, and, and so I think that that did derail the season, but, but also from, uh, where they're at in their sort of stage of growth, I think that there's, there's still some stages to go. And, and so that that's maybe the part that caught me the most off guard with Babcock going there is I just sort of felt that if he was going to come back, I, I kind of thought he would be with a team trying to get a team over the top, you know, a team that maybe needed another push, a really good team that hadn't met expectations, maybe a team like the one he left the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, not that I expect him to actually end up back in Toronto, but a, a team in that stage of their development is sort of what I thought would, would fit for Babcock, you know, but, but I do think in thinking about it a little more and talking to some people, you know, I do think he wanted to be somewhere a little quieter than, than Toronto in terms of the media market and, and, and you know, a focal point, you know, he's continued to make the Detroit area his home. It's not so far from home in that respect. Uh, Columbus is a great place. Honestly, I think it's one of the underrated spots or stops on the circuit in the NHL. It's just, you know, I, my understanding is this is going to be a short-term deal when it's completed and, and, you know, it, it seems like a longer term project is in front of the Blue Jackets. You know, perhaps this is a ha maybe this is a signal to what's going to come as we enter the, the busy period when it comes to trades and free agency. You know, maybe this is going to be a team that, that gets aggressive in that period to try to, to turn around their program on a little sooner timeline um, than, than we might have guessed otherwise. But yeah, it's 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 not you probably could have if you could have made a bet, you probably would have won some money back at the, the middle of April saying that the Babcock would end up in Columbus. Um, and, and it just seems the only thing holding it up, quite frankly, Julian, is he is still officially an employee of the Maple Leafs for the remainder of this month. And uh, he's been paid a lot of money for a long time, not to work by them. Um, it's going to be, it'll be just intriguing to see, is he different than, than the person who left the NHL? Obviously he did have one year at the university of Saskatchewan with the men's hockey program there but it's been a long time since he's worked in the league and, and um, his success is undeniable. His resume is undeniable, but I'll just be curious to see what version of Mike Babcock returns to the NHL when he is back. In terms of the people you spoke to about Mike Babcock, what did they say about him as a person? What did they say about him as someone who knows that what's out there has been said about him in terms of how he's a, a guy like Johan Franson comes to mind and, and the treatment of him, the Mitch Marner situation as well with with the list what has been said about Mike Babcock in terms of his personality and do you get a sense that there's been a change from Mike Babcock from those people I don't know how much he has changed if at all I mean I look at every everyone there's no doubt that he's reflected on his time in the league right he's had a couple years to to think back to think ahead to oh, if I come back, maybe I would do this and this and that differently, but I don't think it's fundamentally going to change who he is. I mean, he's a hard driving coach and I still think that there's room to be a hard driving coach in the league, but you know, how you treat people in, in pushing them to their ends is, is probably the, the details that matter here most. Right. And there's, there's a few circumstances that, that we're aware of and, and that, you know, he has actually acknowledged 
probably not to the way that people might want to hear sort of an apology from him, but he has acknowledged that he's gone too far. And, and specifically with the Marner and Franzen cases, you know, in, in the couple of interviews he's done since, since losing the Leafs job. And so I, I think that's really, that's the question, right? And, and, you know, it's something the Blue Jackets obviously have had to, to wrestle with in making this decision too, is, is can he adjust his ways and still have the same amount of success or a similar amount of success to the past? Because nobody is arguing with that resume. Um, you know, he's won absolutely everywhere from junior hockey to international hockey, obviously won a Stanley Cup with Detroit, took Anaheim to the final and lost in game seven. Um, you know, even the Leafs, I know it didn't go ultimately the way either side probably wanted when they signed an eight year deal, but that team turned around pretty quickly under Mike Babcock. And, and, you know, it's because they drafted some good players, but I think as a coach, he deserves a lot of credit for how he ran the program, but there's a big, but there, um, you know, you don't want to excuse those incidents either. So I, I, I don't see any way he doesn't come back a different coach. I really don't. But I, I don't know how it's going to go either. I mean, again, three, four years, it's not a lot in our life. Time, time goes quickly, but it's a, it's a long time. The leagues change. The, 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 I think the way of coaching has constantly sort of evolved. I mean, the best coaches in the league now, I think, are bringing a softer style, quite frankly. I, I think that there's, it, it's, it's, it's been an evolution in that regard, and I think it's one that a lot of coaches have had to adapt to probably more communication certainly than the, what we might brand an old school coach is sort of talk to the players when you feel like it. I think, I think there's, it's a far more collaborative process now. And, you know, I think coaches have to empower their players. So it, it'll be curious because as I say, the blue jackets to me, they there's, they sort of looked like a long ways away from being a long ways away this season. And so it's a big job for anybody that would be taking that position. And it's going to be, especially someone who's known, for being so demanding as Mike Babcock. I mean, how does he, how does he approach that? Because it's, it, you know, I don't, I don't see them no matter who's coaching the team challenging for a playoff spot this year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm viewing things incorrectly. I just, I see a giant hole down the middle of the ice for them. Um, you know, obviously I think a key to, to their, their program, big picture, they've signed Elvis Merzlikens to a big contract. He's, he's had a fall off in his play. Can they resuscitate what he does? You know, what is a fully healthy season with, you know, Wierenski back on the blue line look like? You hope Line is healthy. You've got good draw. I mean, they have players. I just, I don't see enough there for them to to jump up and be, you know, putting 95 points in, in the standings column next year. And so how does, how does he handle that, basically? I mean, this is not a coach. He had the one season in Toronto. He, he, over, he oversaw their sort of tank year, if you want to call it that. And if you look at it, they didn't. They didn't tank the way we've seen some teams tank. They they they've won a lot of games that year. Like for for a losing year, it was pretty respectable. I'll put it that way. Um, but you know, I'm I'm I think this is this is going to be a real in- interesting one, Julian, just to see where this goes. And remember, it started off with John Tortorella. I remember being shocked when John Tortorella went to Columbus years ago, and that ended up being a long relationship. And and you know, they had a lot of success with. The, the players they had there under Tortorella. And so may, maybe this will work. Maybe this is just crazy enough to work, put it that way. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I mean, John Tortorella, you're right. He, a he's a, yeah, it was a gamble. It was a hard, he's a, he was a hard ass himself and he got some success out of the rosters that he had, but he also had a shelf life. Mike Babcock. I wonder what life will be like for him now in this era 
where you talk about player empowerment, we're come we're in an off season now where at least two coaches I could think of have had players say in their exit interviews, like, you know what, we don't want this guy around. And, right. and Daryl Sutter and Gerard Gallant come to mind. So when I hear a guy like Mike Babcock with the resume, yes, but the stories attached to him, I know I kind of mentioned uh, the Mitch Marner thing uh, just kind of offhandedly, but he was asked to rank his teammates' work ethic. And and Johan Franzen, who has gone to media and said, Mike Babcock is the worst person I have ever met. If I'm a player on the Columbus Blue Jackets, alarm bells go off for me. Uh, Aaron Portsline uh, has been reporting on this, and he reached out to Zach Wierenski. And while uh, I'm just kind of paraphrasing off of the article here, while he said he wouldn't speak directly to Babcock being hired, he said through a text message, myself and the other players trust GM Yarmo Kekalainen completely to make the right decision. And at the end of the day, we all want to win hockey games. That's one guy saying it. And I get that Wierenski is one of the team's leaders. I wonder how Patrick Laine feels about this. Johnny Gaudreau, he's he's played for hard asses pretty much all his life. His dad was hard on him, Daryl Sutter, and now he would he he, he uh, there's a potential of him playing for Mike Babcock. Like, how do some of the bigger players feel about this? That's the biggest question I have. Like, it's one thing for Babcock and his style to to mesh with these guys. How are the players going to receive him? It, it like that has to work at the end of the day. It's one thing for this team to not even be close to being, I, I'm with you. I don't think they're a contending team, but the dynamic between the players and the coach has to work. And it has to work in an era where there's more player empowerment and they're not taking the same shit that some of these coaches have given them in the past. That's fair. But also, I mean, I think that they need a coach that pushed them out of their comfort zone. Right. I mean, last year can't be acceptable either. I mean, that that's the line I'm sure. This has been the, I'll say this, this has been the, the sort of hardest to follow head coaching search of all the ones this off season, because, you know, the, the Blue Jackets talk to a variety of different types of candidates. I mean, obviously when you bring in someone like Babcock, I know they spoke to Peter Laviolette, you know, guys like Andrew Burnett, uh, who's sort of on the younger end of the scale here, um, known to, to, you know, coach up offense, for example, like they, they've talked to a lot of different types of people. And, and I think, if you're in that front office, you're, you're thinking, how do we get more out of this team? Like that last year can't be acceptable, right? They, they felt like a team, they weren't just bad. They felt like they were adrift, right? Like they, they didn't seem to have, and, and I'll say it too. I've said it once, but like the injuries definitely played a mitigating factor. If you're, if you're not, absolutely, playing with full, if you're not playing with a full deck, like they didn't have Wierenski for most of the year line, a was in and out with some different issues throughout the season. Like it was a tough season uh, there, but you're, you're looking for some way to get more out of that group. And, you know, in, in today's day and age, this is, it's, it's a big, it, it's a big statement to go out and hire Mike Babcock. Cause he, he brings with him some gravitas to Julian. Like you're right. Some alarm bells for the players, but like he will have their attention. I, I, I can trust you that. And, you know, I think that everyone is asking the same question. We are just, is, is he going to be, is he going to be doubling down on the same Mike Babcock sort of, altruisms from 2017 or 2007 or is this going to be a, a different version of, of the same guy I, I think coaches can evolve that like for example Ken Hitchcock over his career was known at times for for being very hard on his players I think he softened a little as time went on and and I do recall him talking about having to sort of wrestle with that um I would be surprised if it's if it's Mike Babcock just acting like nothing happened when he comes back to that door 
We'll have to wait and see on that one, Siege. Uh, that is a story I definitely am going to try to follow for myself. And uh, I feel as if we will talk about my Babcock again on the CJ show. Um, before we get to ask CJ, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals are on right now. Game two, we are hours away from that. Game one was really fun to watch. Uh, what were your impressions of the game? We could also we could also touch off on on Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly speaking over the weekend as well. But what were your impressions of game one? I thought it was a fun game. I really enjoyed Saturday's game. Um, nice, nice start, you know, after a long break. It felt like we waited forever for that cup final to start. And I understand there's TV interest and all these things that, that drive those decisions. But, you know, you almost wish they could have just le- leapt into it a little quicker. Um, but the teams didn't disappoint with, with the, the time off. You know, Florida gets a lead, can't hold on to the lead. The, the, the question I've been asking myself in all those days between the cup final is just, is, is Florida's sort of magic going to run out or, or not? Um, I, I think they can play with the Golden Knights. I think ultimately the Golden Knights are a deeper team. And so you're, you're just watching for signs of that. But uh, I mean, I love the glitz and glam of Vegas. I thought, I just thought it was really cool. If you just step back and, you know, I'm so involved in this. I know you are too. Like I, I live this, I live the NHL life kind of, yeah. but I'm just trying to, I'm always trying to put myself like, imagine if I don't really watch, all the games, I'm not familiar with everything, all the storylines. Like, I, I just thought you turned that on and there was, it was sort of a spectacle, right? And I think that's what you want out of your championship series. And and I thought it was, I thought it was a nice representation kind of of the sport of the city of Vegas. Like I, I loved, I loved everything that went around that, that first game. Dude, the energy in T-Mobile arena, by the way, I, I get it. I haven't been to every single arena like you have, but T-Mobile is already like top three for me trying to think t-mobile arena is up there for me the bell center i I could put that up there as well i like edmonton's arena we can get into a whole arena ranking another time but already it's a nice arena but to see it from tv from my couch like the energy in the building everyone getting amped up for the game i wanted to run through a wall like that felt so fun to just watch from a distance man it was so awesome like, I, I wish, I mean, we were, I was watching on sports that I don't think they really showed all that much of the actual intro, but you can go online and, and, and find it. But those pregame intros, and you're hearing the, the John Wick music play as all the skaters are coming in, like, that is awesome. That is what a championship series should feel like. That was awesome. I, I, like, I, I, can't, I can't repeat the word awesome enough. <laughs> well, you're right. And, and it's almost like a nightclub in T-Mobile. Like, it, it literally, yes. like, the music just, like, thumps in there. And there's, you know, they got the whole showgirls behind the net. Like, oh, my God. Sorry. My, I don't know why my phone went off there. My bad. Sorry about that. Go on. I just I thought you were just playing some music for me. Like, get me into no. the, the atmosphere. <laughs> no, <of the> final. <laughs> no, I was trying to move my phone. And then for whatever reason, it made a noise. Sorry about that. Wow. Technical difficulties, people. No, seriously. T-Mobile Arena in terms of the energy that was there, uh, the way the game one went down, just the Aiden Hill save. We got to talk about that because that might be the save of the postseason. It just had moments like that that just really made that game so amazing to watch. Yeah, the tic-tac paddle save. And, you know, I think some people almost missed too. Petrangelo comes in at the side of the net because there was a second chance from Nick Cousins after that Hayden Hill uh, first save with, with the, the the paddle of his stick. And Petrangelo tied him up. So that it, it's – I mean, I look at – I'm not trying to take away from the save at all, but if if Cousins puts in the rebound, we're probably not talking about the save. We're talking about the almost save. But it's it's not quite the same thing. Petrangelo helped bail his goaltender out there too. Yeah, it was 
it was a good game. I, I'm I'm just hoping we get a series. Honestly, like obviously, mm-hmm. I don't have a rooting interest here. I'm not I'm not cheering for either team. I'm not even cheering for my pick. Like I, I don't I, I don't really. But I just hope we get to a game six or hopefully even a game seven. Like I, I think that that's the best also for the sport. Um, you know, it'll be cool to see game two, but then they go to game three and in, in South Florida. Like I, I think the Panthers fans will bring it. I was mentioning being there earlier in the playoffs. I was really struck by how the energy was awesome there in round two. So by the Stanley cup final, um, it's going to be, it's going to be something special. And I just hope these teams uh, give us a long series that, that, you know, as I say, I'm not uh, rooting for a specific outcome, but I wouldn't mind seeing us uh, have six more games this season. Cause it, the season's gone by pretty quickly. It's pretty crazy when you think about it, six games or less left in the entire year. Like how did that happen? What did you think of Paul Maurice's, uh, <laughs> post game uh after game one just start basically telling everyone to relax i don't know what to make of it he had i don't know if you remember this in the leaf series he had a one strange post game press conference kind of like that he's making jokes and you know i it, like i i don't i don't know where it comes from like i don't know if he's trying to distract from his team if he's just in the you know whatever mood he might be in like the, the games are emotional right and then the the coaches are propped up on the podium pretty quickly after. Like, I don't know if you're just catching him kind of digesting the night or what it is, but it, it, it was funny. Didn't he say just, just fucking relax or something. Everyone take a breath or something like that. Like, is that what you expect to hear? But, but good for Paul. I mean, first of all, got all kinds of time for Paul Maurice. I, I think he's so good for those that do our job, Julian. He's always very candid and thoughtful with, with when talking about his teams or other things going on around the league. Um, but it, it was it was kind of a strange strange clip. It was certainly wasn't what I expected. No, uh, anything from we only have so much time. But anything from what Gary Bettman said over the weekend. Uh, I know we kind of talked about the salary cap. Uh, there was a brief mention of of the World Juniors uh, team being investigated as well, and, and maybe we're finally seeing the end of that as well. Anything that kind of stands out from what he said over this weekend? It it wasn't a particularly newsy state of the union address, I would say. I mean, obviously there's news whenever you get Gary Batman and Bill Daly up there fielding questions for 20, 30 minutes. I mean, there's, there's going to be newsy bits because, you know, obviously they carry a lot of power within the league. Um, you know, they mentioned Gary Batman mentioned that the Ottawa sale process might take a couple weeks before it reaches this conclusion. I think one thing that's been missed in all of the sort of dialogue and discussion around the Senator sale is, is it's an unusual set of circumstances. It's being sold by the estate uh, of, of Eugene Melnick. And so by definition, the job for the estate is to get the most of money for this, the estate. And while you might say, well, that's if, if an owner is just selling his team or her team, they would want the most amount of money. I, I don't think that's always the case. I think you might have a 25 year owner in the NHL who wants to make sure it gets handed off to the right person. It might even take a little bit less than the most being offered to make sure it goes to the right owner and so it's a different kind of sale process than what typically goes on. Um, but so, yeah, the fact they said that could take a couple more weeks, I think was newsy because I know a lot of the reporting from Bruce Garriock and others out of Ottawa is, is that, you know, they've been, they've been bracing for this is the week Ian Mendez too, for, for it feels like three weeks now. And, and they might still have a couple more, um, you know, this is the first time we heard timelines placed on um, the investigation into the, the sexual assault allegations against the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team. Bill Daly mentioned that uh, the the internal investigator for the league 
has has done all the work that needs to be done there and is now uh you know in the process of summarizing that work in a report that the league expects to get in early july obviously at which time the league will review what's in the report and make decisions if any are needed in terms of punishment uh for the players but the fact it's not like we're almost done you know it's it's always been a little bit gray i would say but the fact that we know that that report's due early july you know suggests that we're we're probably going to get some clarity on that within a month or two um you know he, he, they they did address the Valerie Nikchushkin situation if you recall that it unfolded in Seattle during the playoffs in the first round and basically they they said that they know what happened they're they're satisfied with how the team handled it um obviously we don't know exactly what happened but there you know there was a, a woman in his hotel room who was drunk on the day of a game kind of a strange set of circumstances we we know that much um but he, you know, he, they did clarify that Nachushkin is free to play in the league next year, because remember he just disappeared and didn't play the rest of the playoffs. Like it was, it's no one knew for sure where he was. I think there was some speculation he was back in Russia, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe some clarity there. Although we'll have to, I guess we'll have to see what happens come September um, with with regards to Nachushkin where he's at. Uh, nothing else really jumped off the page to me. Some talk about Arizona, talk about Salt Lake City, you know, stuff. I think it's kind of either been reported on or kind of generally known. Um, but let's face it, the NHL big picture is in a pretty good spot right now. There's not a, there's not a lot of fires, right? I think that the Coyotes, you know, the Senator sale we know is going to bring a monster number in probably north of a billion dollars going to be the highest sale price ever, I believe for an NHL team when it's done. So that's, that's good news for the league. It's just a matter of getting that to the finish line. The Coyotes situation is really the biggest question mark just in terms of, you know, how does this unfold? Um, you know, is that team going to have to move at some point? We know they're going to play Muller Arena next season, but that's obviously not a long-term solution. Uh, but yeah, there was, there wasn't a ton of in there that was, you know, was it, was it a banger for, by, for press conferences where you're like, whoa, 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 all this stuff. It was, it was a little bit more controlled because I think the league's in a pretty good spot, all things considered. Oh, we were talking about it in the group chat over the weekend while uh, Ron McLean was doing the interview with with Gary Bettman uh, during the first intermission of uh, the Sportsnet broadcast. And I thought, well, how long until the SDPN gets credentialed and then we get to do one of those sit downs with Gary? Like, how many years would you would you kind of ballpark figure for this show? Well, there would never be a sit down with Gary, I don't think. Um, those I'm are allowed to dream. Of course, but I mean the ones you're seeing where he's like on the set that those are for the rights holders. You know, like yeah. sports Sportsnet and TNT are paying a lot of money for, to air NHL games, and that's one of the things they get. You don't um, think Adam Wilde has enough money for rights? I mean, I'd love it if it became of that. I, I would love it if that happened. Uh, the credentialing should happen. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure what's involved there. Obviously, I get credentialed for NHL events through my other employers, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, we're we're running a reputable shop here. Adam's done his morning gig. He's uh, he's all in on the STPN. Yeah, hat tip um, to Adam for uh, all his years in morning radio. He uh, decided uh, he's going to follow, uh, not follow. He's going to put all of his work into the STPN. He even put out a tweet today saying he slept in until seven thirty today. I can't even imagine being a morning show host. Like I value, I'm at the point I just go to bed early because I value my sleep so much. But I can't imagine getting up at whatever, 3.30 or 4 a.m. or whatever he's been getting up for years. I think he did that show for five or six years, um, obviously Monday through Friday. But still, like that's, that's commitment. I, I, I hat tip to all of our colleagues across all the different radio networks that do that. I mean, I guess you just do what you do for the job. But that, 
I don't know how you wouldn't be grumpy all the time. Yeah, he seems like a lot more cheery for a guy who does morning radio. Like, I'd have to do it for a week. And, like, I should say I've, I've done it, like, in a fill-in capacity, it kind of sparingly, nowhere near the same experience as Adam. And, like, it's it's the fact that you have to keep yourself awake the rest of the day that that is insane to me. Well, and he does that show, and then he's been running the podcast network along with Jesse yeah. and Steve. But, like, he's been they've been like, you might have noticed, but we've been scaling up around here and that's not because of you and i and nick i mean we're doing our little we got our little territory over here we're putting out our show two times a week but those guys are you know buying buildings and rent doing renovations building studios obviously they've added more and more shows since our show came on like adam was working two full-time jobs um that's insane props to adam i know we're out down we're down a rabbit hole we didn't mean to go down to here but i just think like that's crazy so yeah we're running a reputable shop around here SDPN's only growing, so it, it won't be so long before those credentials start flowing. It is a great time to be a sports fan. This is going to be a great and massive couple of weeks to come. On the ice, we have the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup Finals. And over on the hard court, we have the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. And you already know the SDPN will be all over both of those series. For the hockey fans... Check out the Steve Dangle podcast and the Chris Johnston show. We will have you covered. And the Game Over crew will be back for post games. For hoops, check out S and Lauren on the Objective Basketball podcast. Watch full episodes on our YouTube channel or listen on your favorite podcast app. We are everywhere. Hey, happy Pride listeners. We celebrate Pride here at SDPN because we believe that sports are only fun if everyone is welcome. We're also really excited to share that we are once again working with our good friends at the Get Real Movement, and we're joining their fundraising efforts by joining a virtual 5K on June 23rd. The money we raise will be going to Rainbow Railroad. Their mission is to help LGBTQI plus people escape state-sponsored violence. It's an extremely important cause, and we've got a link in the description below. Please check it out and support if you can, and stay tuned as we continue to celebrate Pride Month. We're just getting started. I kind of wanted you to go down another rabbit hole uh, before, as we get into uh, Ask CJ, uh, because uh, you mentioned something a couple days ago about how well, this is like the first time since 2006 you are not on site for the Stanley Cup final. I was going to ask earlier, like, do you like seeing everything go down in Vegas? Like, do you miss, like, like do, you, do, you, do you have FOMO right now? Like, I feel like you should be there. Well, I wouldn't call it FOMO. I mean, obviously I miss it. Like it's, it's so cool. And and it's like, it literally is an honor to get to cover the Stanley cup final. Um, like that, that's literally something I dreamed of as a kid. Cause I wanted to be a hockey writer. So where, how do you measure whether you made it as a hockey writer? Well, getting to cover the big events, going to the Olympics as I have a couple times, things like that. are when you actually, it's not just when you go to a Tuesday night game against an out of conference opponent, <laughs> you know, with that doesn't necessarily have the juice you know, you're, you're still happy to do that, but this, this kind of symbolizes it, but I'm also, I'm, I would say I'm more grateful for, for what I've had, um, than upset that I'm not there. If that makes sense. Like, like, you know, I, I'm, I've had an awesome career and I'm really, and you know, and all I know I'll be back at the Stanley cup final. Like I don't, I don't view it. It's not an ego play for me, I guess is the point. Like I don't need, you know, I went to 16 or 17 in a row the streak ends now, but you know, I still look at, I, I enjoyed, I watched all of Saturday's game. 
Uh, I'm going to watch the game tonight. I'm, I'm, the point is, I don't think I'll probably miss one this whole series. I, I could still follow along, texting all my colleagues that are down there. You know, a few of them have sent notes. Like, it's not the same without you and stuff like that. So Aww. I feel, I feel, uh, you know, I still, I, I don't know how to put it, but like, I'm, I'm just grateful that I've ever gotten to go to that many Stanley Cup finals. Like, I, I feel like I've won the lottery times 10. So who would I to be complained that I didn't win the lottery one more time? Like, it's, it's been, uh, it's it, it really has been it's almost surreal when you say it out loud you know when you're so busy living your life in real time you don't ever see the big picture necessarily or it's hard to see the big picture but uh yeah first one i missed in a long time but i i'll be back again i i know that much uh do you have any good uh road stories from all those years <laughs> covering the cup final in a row well of course some i can't tell um some i can it's funny though so one thing that you may not know julian because when you get to those big games and this has been passed down, like this happened long before I ever was on the scene, but the journalists do what's called a game winning goal pool. And the way it works is literally everyone's name. That is a skater in the game goes into a cup and you know, the journalists just pick at random uh, a name out of the cup. Uh, I think it's a $20 entrance fee these days. So the, the price is pretty good. So you get to, I think 720 bucks us and obviously the player that ends up getting the game winning goal in the game, um, you know, that, that person wins. And so this is, this has been a thing. Like, it's funny. Like I always enter it sort of just cause like it, this was happening. Honestly, I think it was happening like 30 or 40 years ago. Like it's somehow this tradition that gets passed around now. And Steven Wino, if you know, Steven from the associated press out of Washington, I know of Steven. Yeah. Steven, not only does he, he runs the quote loop. So he makes sure that, that he gets everyone's email on there and, and the reporters do share quotes in the cup final. Cause it's hard. Obviously there's a lot of reporter. Like, the access is limited. It's just making sure everyone gets what they need to do their jobs on, on a deadline. But he also runs the, the game winning goal pool. And uh, a couple of years, like there's been some funny ones. I, I won it once in 2008 cup final. And I won it with Tyler Kennedy of the wow. Pittsburgh Penguins. How did you uh, end up with Tyler Kennedy? Well, that's the thing. It's at random, right? Like somebody, somebody pulled Zach Delphi out, you know, for game one or, or, you know, it's not all, it's not all just the superstars that get pulled. And I remember actually a few years ago, a reporter named Tommy Seppala, a Finnish reporter, great guy. It was the, the cup final with Vegas and Washington. And he won with Brooks Orpik. And if you look at Brooks Orpik's career, I think Brooks scored 22 goals in about 1100 career NHL games. Like the guy, the guy did not score a lot of goals and, but he happened to score one in the Stanley Cup final. It was the game-winning goal. And then the next game, I think Tommy pulled Lars Eller. And oh he won God. He won back-to-back games. That's insane. That's which a is like ton of money. 1500 bucks US cash. That's insane. I, got, I mean, yeah. like I spent a whole career donating 20 bucks every game I covered of those cup finals. And I won one. So like, I'm, like, I'm lucky enough. But like Tommy wins, wins two in a row with Brooks Orpik and Lars Eller. So you just – you never know. Who scored the winning goal in the last game? Because uh, it was three. Okay, so who Let's scored the third goal? It was uh, Mark – was it Mark Stone's goal or Zach Whitecloud? It might have been Zach Whitecloud. I White think Cloud. it was Whitecloud. It was Whitecloud because that came first and then Mark Stone scored. And Steven Wino comes up to your seat and you pull Zach Whitecloud out. With respect to Zach Whitecloud, you're probably not thinking I got the winner, right? So anyway, that's – that's a, that's a fun tradition that's continued on. And, and I will say, even though I'm not at the cup final this year, Julian, they're allowing me to enter remotely. 
Oh, that's sick. So I transferred, that... I, I transferred money to Wino and uh, someone is picking a name for me every game. So I, I could still win from afar. Well, the funny thing you mentioned that because I think when I was at the cup final in 2021, I'm not going to say who it is, but there was a game winning goal that was scored and a media colleague, again, I'm not going to say who it is. I saw them like jump up and down in excitement. And the whole time I'm watching them, I'm like, why are they doing this? Like, there's no reason for them to like, why are they like, this doesn't make any sense. Like it's, like, I bet it, I bet they had financial reasons to care. The, now that makes perfect sense because this person was celebrating and they found another colleague and they're both celebrating. And I'm going to those guys. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I had no idea. This makes perfect sense. They were, yeah, but, they were in this pool. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know. I haven't got my name for game two yet, but if that person scores an overtime tonight, I'll be jumping up and down in my living room. I'll tell you that. Oh much. my God. <laughs> uh, Okay, here's what we'll do, because that was a really good story. Um, if it's okay, uh, since we do have a ton of questions, I'm thinking for Thursday's show, we save some of those questions and we use some of them. But there are at least two I want to get to today. And if All it's right, okay with you, we can... yep. yeah, there's one I will get to on Twitter. Uh, I guess this was more at random. This is, there's a specific one I want to take off of Discord. But the one at random I'm going to take is from... Nate Thomas, Tate and Hamas on Twitter. Who's an underdog for the Flames head coaching job? Ooh. Why does it have to be an underdog? I don't know. Like, because I feel like even if you say Mitch Love or something, like, it's not really an underdog. Obviously, he's, he's not really an underdog. Him. He looks like you a know. favorite right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think. Maybe Alex Tangay, but you know he's been mentioned too. Pascal Vincent. Uh, yeah, his name's been mentioned as well. You know, I know that he's been involved in in discussions there, so maybe he's considered an underdog. But it's hard to it's hard for me to label an underdog. I guess you're, he wants me to pull a name out that hasn't been pulled out. Um, but I, I don't have much juice for you there. Um, maybe Pascal Vincent will be my underdog. Uh, yeah, he's kind of. Coached in Winnipeg system has been coaching in Columbus. Uh, was considered for the Blue Jackets job, and you know it's sort of a name I will say that's been out there of someone who can make the jump and just hasn't yet got that opportunity as an NHL head coach. But I think the day is coming for him. Okay, and this one from Ben B on our Discord. Uh, this is actually a little bit more serious, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get this one in from Ben B. My buddy lost his house to the forest fire near Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's a 100 percenter. His wife had to load up five kids in a van while his yard was on fire and slowly drive away through the fire because of all the traffic while he was away for work. Lost oh everything. Can he get a shout out on the pod? He never misses it, and it might make his day. His name is Jeff Roberts. He's a huge Leafs fan. Been a rough go lately. Well, of course. I mean, Jeff, our thoughts are with you, man. I can't even imagine the turmoil your family's been through. I hope everyone's safe. Um, and honestly, if you have a, a GoFundMe or something going, make sure you, you reach that out. Well, I'm happy to retweet it and to, to donate and, and, you know, help to get your family back on its feet. So we appreciate your support. Uh, hope that that better days are ahead and uh, that at least everyone has their health uh, in what must be a really trying time. Absolutely. And I echo CJ sentiments as well. Uh, thank you for your support. And we hope that uh, everything goes well 
with you and your family. And that goes to anyone uh, going through those forest fires out in Nova Scotia as well. It's a bit, it's a bit of a tough time uh, in that part of the country. And uh, we just hope things get better. Uh, and with that, uh, we wrap up the Monday edition of our show. I'll also give a shout out really quickly. Uh, last week, I did kind of mention, you know, we don't have a jingle for the Ask CJ segment. And uh, Turbo Turbs 94 made one. It's kind of cool. It's kind of funny whenever people submit those. Can you play Discord. it? Uh, producer Nick, are you able to insert the song? You just do it over here, maybe, so people could hear it. And we could also uh, listen to Turbo Turbs' uh, handiwork. Uh, again, thank you for that. Uh, I'm sure we could figure something out. That'd be fun. I don't want to make more work for producer Nick. He's got a lot of stuff on his plate. <laughs> I get that. But even then, uh, thank you, Turbo Turbs, uh, for sending in the song. And uh, for anyone who's also done that in the past, uh, we will try to get some more questions on Thursday because there were genuinely like so many. Uh, and also, uh, you subscribe to the podcast, however you consume the podcast. And uh, we'll be back with stick taps as well and more talk about the Stanley Cup finals, among other big pressing news stories uh, that come through. Any other final words before I wrap it up? No, we're thinking of you, Jeff, uh, you and your family, you and your kids. Get back on your feet. We're happy to help out any way we can. Just, uh, just let us know. For CJ, I'm Julian, saying so long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want a bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.